Good morning. Happy Sabbath. I have some really exciting news to share, and it's going to come towards the end. But um, I just hope that you will be praying for me as I share this message. The message today is about our high calling in Christ Jesus Christ and our precious inheritance that is a gift from our Father in Heaven who deeply loves us and purchased and was purchased by priceless blood of the Lamb of His Son. It's a message of hope in the backdrop of overwhelming darkness that is encircling our world today. It is to encourage us to hold on to the precious promises found in His Word and to be found faithful as He prepares our hearts for the very soon return of Jesus to take us to our eternal homes. To be a beacon of light, fulfilling the words, and the earth was lightened with his glory, Revelation 18.1. There will be a handout with more scripture and spirit of prophecy passages on this theme that could not be shared during this short time of worship. And I also uh, will close with a story from the AFM magazine. Uh, And there is a second part to the story which I will not have time to read. So that will also be included in the handout. Lastly, I have... 30 copies of this book, Our Father Cares. Who has this book at home? Anybody? Just a few hands. Wow. Um, It's to give each family who does not have one. My wife had gone through this recently, and she was really touched by it, seeing the clear picture of who God the Father is and the care he has for us. So I ordered 30 books, one for every family that doesn't have one. If there's more than 30 families here, I'll have to order some. Um, But the handout and the book will be available. Uh, The deacons in the back will uh, pass it out to you as you're going out. I hope that will be a blessing to you. Um, Just reading out of... July 24, this, uh, today's passage, just to get a glimpse of what kind of information is in there. This is quoting, Christians should be preparing for what is soon to break upon the world as an overwhelming surprise. And this preparation they should make dilig- diligently, by diligently studying the word of God and striving to conform their lives to its precepts. So that's just a glimpse of today's devotional thought. And I love the cover picture of this book with the sparrow safely in the Father's hand. That's from Matthew 10, 29. And the King James Version portrays this beautiful truth. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your Father. This is our Father's promise that he is with us in the fall to lift us back up to the safety of the nest. In our case, our eternal home with him. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father, these are words of adoration and pure love that I believe Adam, on the first Sabbath, said to you as he spent the Sabbath day with you. And Jesus Christ also shared those words. But how we have so far been removed and so hard for us to understand who you are as a father and the holiness that you have. Father, with the 6,000 years of degradation of sin, how our minds, body, and soul have a difficult time understanding that. But Father, I pray 
that with your love that you may open our eyes, that we may be molded back into your image, and that you may revive in us the faith of a child, and that you will breathe in us the living spirit so that you will open our eyes and see the glory of who you are, the love and the holiness that you have for each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The, power, the message uh, this morning, the title is The Power and the Promise of Dif- Dif- Divine Heritage. So the story goes of a little child aboard a commercial airplane. The plane having gone through a turbulent storm, the flight attendant asked how he was doing and if he was afraid. The boy remarkably had no expression of anxiety or fear, but rather with a trusting smile answers, No, I'm not afraid, because I know who's flying the airplane. He's my daddy. He's the pilot. I'm not afraid, because I know he will keep me safe and take us home. This is the power and promise of knowing you have a divine heritage. We have just gone through the COVID storm, and another storm is coming. Do we know our father like this little boy? Do we have the same simple, explicit faith of a child? Do you trust him to take us home? My brothers and sisters, we are about to go home to our eternal home very soon. All the signs of the times are quickly being fulfilled. Are we earnestly longing and preparing for the home of God? Enoch's heart was set upon eternal treasures, and are our, our, our hearts set upon eternal treasures? How is your faith and courage? Do we really believe that God is in complete control of every aspect of our lives? Have you let him have the pilot's seat? And those of you that are pilots, you know, in aviation we call it pilot in command. More importantly, our Heavenly Father has given us this powerful promise of preparing our hearts in Ezekiel 36, 26-28. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them, and you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. This last sentence, you shall be my people and I will be your God. This is God's heart cry for the past 6,000 years. He will do a heart transplant and transform our character into his image if we would let him. And I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. I will put my law and write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Behold, I will gather them out of all countries. I will bring them again unto this place, and I will cause them to dwell safely, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Do you hear the heart cry of your father? As a Christian father, my deepest longing is that my family will be in heaven to share an eternity with them, learning and growing and exploring all the wonders that God has created for us. Along with my God-fearing grandparents, my loving mother who, who exemplified Jesus' love to us, 
my father who came back and found Christ, we will also meet our other son, the twin of Jared. And what a family reunion that will be. Even as we go through an unprecedented storm in 2020, the next storm will be even more ominous and destructive. And we are seeing this already in deadly riots in South Africa and the city lockdowns in Australia and the rising tension and chaos with food shortages in the world. The fulfillment of Matthew 24, wars and famines and pestilence and the beginning of sorrows is happening all over the globe. And all this chaos and destruction will be coming soon to our cities and to our land as well. But true Christians know that if Jesus is the pilot in command of our lives, he will prepare our hearts and take us home to be with our loving Father in heaven. We have a sure promise in Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that who are called according to his purpose. There is power when you know that you have a divine heritage. The divinity that serpent promised Eve, you shall be as gods, is not a heritage, but an outright deadly lie. For one cannot have life apart from God, the source of life. In stark contrast to Satan's lie is God's truth as revealed on the cross. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23. Paul states our divine heritage clearly in Romans 8.14.22, like Brandon just read. So I won't read that part. Please take time during this week to contemplate on the profound beauty of the words found in Romans 8. In fact, our whole family memorized Chapter Romans chapter 8, because it's such a powerful uh, chapter. Are you living in fear? Take hold of the precious promises of God found in his word. You are his beloved, deeply loved. Jesus is about to take us home to our eternal heavenly home. This world is not our home. Are you going through suffering? God knows your struggles, and this is a personal promise from you, from our loving Father in heaven. Not one of them shall fall on the ground without your Father. This is the depth of his love that was revealed on Calvary. And if we are faithful and hold on to him, he will lift you up, and he has promised divine glory that will be revealed in us. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Second Peter 1.4 The heritage that God has promised to his people is not in this world. Abram had no possession in the earth, no not so much as to set his foot on. Acts 7.5 He possessed great substance, And he used it to the glory of God and the good of his fellow men. But he did not look upon this world as his home. We are now living in the days of Noah, and we too must not look upon this world as our home. This is not our common home. Yes, as Christians, we should take the best care of our environment that God has created for us. But Satan has masterfully deceived the entire world to change this God-designed stewardship to guy worship. That's G-A-I. 
the worship of Mother Earth, for all to believe that it is our moral duty to take care of our common home and bring pressure and persecution to those who do not follow this course. This is the plan clearly outlined in Laudato Si, the encyclical of Pope Francis. Praise be to you in care of our common home, eventually leading to Sunday worship, as will be pointed out later. God gave to Abraham a view of this immortal inheritance, and with this hope he was content. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, for he looked for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews 11, 9 and 10. My brothers and sisters, may we hold in view, like Abraham, our immortal inheritance. For we are sojourners in a strange country, looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. We need to dwell upon the assurance of God's word, to hold them before the mind's eye, to dwell upon divine things rather than upon the earthly. Fresh wonders will be revealed to the mind the more closely we apply it to the divine thing. We lose much by not talking more about Jesus and heaven, the saints' inheritance. The more we contemplate on heavenly things, the more delights we shall see, and the more will our hearts be brimful of thanks to our benevolent Creator. But even as our eyes are open to see new delights, we come short of the glory we will one day behold. For as it is written in First in Corinthians 2.9, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for those that love him. What a beautiful promise. We have no idea what God the Father is preparing for us. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. 1 John 3, 1. This is to have this divine heritage. The divine heritage we have in God is twofold. In creation, being created in God's image, which was lost at the fall. And number two, in redemption, the power of the cross to restore this lost sonship and daughtership of God, this precious divine heritage was purchased by the priceless blood of the perfect Lamb, Jesus Christ. The divine heritage is promised to overcomers, as mentioned in the book of Revelation. Revelation 3.21, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my father in his throne. And the last, uh, Revelation 21, 7, he that overcometh shall inherit all things again, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Here again is God's final heart cry in the very end of the last book of the Bible. God really longs for the father-son, father-daughter relationship to be restored. How do we overcome Answer is in Revelation twelve eleven, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives. They loved not their lives unto the death. All who will can be overcomers. Let me say this again. All who will can be overcomers. Let us strive earnestly to reach the standard set before us. Christ knows our weakness, and to him we can go daily for help. It is not necessary for us to gain strength a month ahead. We are to conquer day by day. 
No man receives holiness as a birthright or as a gift from another human being. Holiness is the gift of God through Jesus Christ. Those who receive the Savior become sons of God. They are his spiritual children, born again, renewed in righteousness and true holiness. Their minds are changed. With clearer vision, they behold eternal realities. They are adopted into God's family, and they become conformed to his likeness, changed by his Spirit from glory to glory. From cherishing supreme love for self, they come to cherish supreme love for God and for Christ. This is our divine heritage. He that overcomes by fully submitting to Jesus Christ will be changed into his likeness and will sit with Christ on the throne of his kingdom. As this final drama unfolds, every individual who overcomes will know the name of the Father, having his Father's name written in their foreheads, Revelation 14.1. What does it mean to have the Father's name written in the foreheads? It means to have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. Isaiah 52, 6. You know the story in Acts 7, where many were healed and 5,000 converted in a day. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Be it known unto you all, by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you have crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven, given among men whereby we must be saved. If you strive in all humility to understand what is the mind of Christ, you will not be left in darkness. Jesus says, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Bearing the name of Jesus Christ will bring hardship. Matthew 24, 9. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. This is a recent uh, statement that I came across. This is from Ministry of Feeling 478. Of all the gifts that heaven can bestow upon men, fellowship with Christ in his sufferings is the most weighty trust and highest honor. This is in your handout, all of this. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And Paul knew this. For I consider... The suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Psalm 9, 9 and 10, The Lord also will be our refuge for the oppressed, for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. No storm or tempest can move those whose feet are planted on the principles of eternal truth and that know the Father and have his name written on their foreheads. They will be able to stand in the time of almost universal apostasy, 
for they understand the heart cry of their Father in heaven. There is a real spiritual battle over our souls. Satan knows that there is sanctified power to break free from his enslaving power if we understand the divine heritage and the promises in God's word. Satan does not want us to claim the sonship offered by the blood of Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God. Satan uses everything possible in his power for his kingdom. Masterful deception, delusion, including truth mixed with error, worldly riches and honor, confusion, coercion, seduction, enchantment, manipulation, suppression, mandating morality, dictating the conscience, and enforcing the dominant narrative, and silencing all other narratives for the common good. This is Satan's method. God never forces the will or the conscience, but Satan's constant resort to gain control of those who he cannot otherwise seduce is compulsion by cruelty. Through fear or force, he endeavors to rule the conscience and to secure homage to himself. To accomplish this, he works through both religious and secular authorities, moving them to the enforcement of human laws in defiance to the law of God. The exercise of force is contrary to the principles of God's government. He desires only the service of love, and love cannot be commanded. It cannot be won by force or authority. Only by love is love awakened. To know God is to love him. His character must be manifested in contrast to the character of Satan. So it will be again. The authorities will make laws to restrict religious liberties. They will assume the right that is God's alone. They will think they can force the conscience which God alone should control. The crisis is stealing gradually upon us. Probation hours fast closing and every case is about to be eternally decided. Satan sees that his time is short. He has set all his agencies at work that men may be deceived, deluded, occupied, and entranced until the day of probation shall be ended and the door of mercy forever shut. In his dealing with sin, God could employ only righteousness and truth. Satan could use what God could not flattery and deceit. He had sought to falsify the word of God and had misrepresented his plan of government. Satan had made it appear that he himself was seeking to promote the good of the universe. Did you get that? Common good Satan had been promoting from the get-go. And have we heard that word, common good? Is this not the same message we are hearing today for the common good of the world? This is Satan's masterful deception, and we need to be fully in God's word to clearly understand the truth and earnestly pray now more than ever before so that our eyes will be open to recognize the reality that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, Ephesians 6.12. The true character of the usurper and his real object must be understood by all. He must have time to manifest himself by his wicked works. My friends, this world is a theater. 
The actors, the inhabitants of the world, are preparing to act their part in the last great drama. A power from beneath is working to bring about the last great scenes in this drama, working with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. The Bible tells the complete story of this great drama, from the creation of the perfect world by a holy and benevolent father to the battle that has been raging since the fall of man by Satan's deception. The near 6,000 years of this worn toward battlefield on this planet called Earth has taken its toll on both man and the planet. Now before the entire universe, the final drama will be played out as the entire inhabitants of Earth, while the entire universe looks on, will admit that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs. There is a global crisis on Earth. The battle between the Creator God, the Holy Righteous Father, and Satan and his dominion will intensify and come to a climactic showdown. It seems extremely unfair that God inherently can use, only use his righteousness his truth, and his love to fight this battle over every soul, while Satan is allowed to use every conceivable form of evil for his cause in this raging battle, including masterful deception, delusion, worldly riches and honor, seduction, enchantment, manipulation, suppression, and silence, and finally the use of force. But that is how we can know clearly if something is of God or Satan. History is repeating itself as Martin Luther looked to the to, as Martin Luther took the stand for God, so will we need to take a decisive stand for the truth in God's word and say with Luther, it is unsafe for a Christian to speak against his conscience. Here I stand, I can do no other. So help me God. Amen. May we be faithful. For many, stu- many stumble and fall, apostatizing from the faith they once advocated. For those who apostatize in time of trial will, to secure their own safety, bear false witness and betray their brethren. Christ has warned us of this, that we may not be surprised. God has always given men warning of coming judgments. Those who had faith in his message for their time, who acted out their faith and obedience to his command, escaped the judgment that fell upon the disobedient and unbelieving. Remember the fall of Jerusalem. Those who watched for the sign of the coming ruin and fled from the city escaped the destruction. So now we are given of Christ's second coming and the destruction to fall upon the world. Those who heed this warning will be saved. Those who are watching for the Lord and purifying their souls by obedience to the truth, with vigilant watching they combine earnest working because they know that the Lord is at the door. Their zeal is quickened to cooperate with the divine intelligences in the working of the salvation of souls. Everything in the world is in agitation. The signs of the times are ominous. Coming events cast their shadows before. The Spirit of God is withdrawing from the earth, and calamity follows calamity by sea and by land. There are tempests, earthquakes, fires, floods, murders of every grade. Where is security? There is assurance in nothing that is human or earthly. Rapidly are men ranging themselves under the banner they have chosen. Restlessly are they waiting and watching the movements of their leaders. There are those who are waiting and watching and working for our Lord's appearing. Another class are falling into the line under the generalship of the first great apostate. Few believe with heart and soul that we have a hell to shun and a heaven to win. 
Satan had claimed that the transgression of God's law would bring liberty and exaltation, but it was seen to result in bondage and degradation. When the protection of human law shall be drawn from those who honor the law of God, the people will conspire to root out the hated sect and to utterly silence the voice of dissent and reproof. The heirs of God have come from the garrets, from the ovals, from the dungeons, and from the scaffolds, from the mountains. On the earth they were destitute, afflicted, and tormented, but they steadfastly refuse to yield to the deceptive claims of Satan. By human tribunals they were adjudged the vilest of criminals, and that's going to happen, my friends. I hold in my hand right here the most precious weapon the most powerful light to dispel the profound darkness and confusion in the world and shrouding the world. Please spend time in his word and sharpen your weapon. We have a real spiritual battle. And the most powerful weapon, the Bible that's out there, I believe is called the Academy Study Bible, published by the Oklahoma Academy uh, Publishers. In it is, in King James Version, it has the spirit of prophecy, References. It also has the commentaries. It also has the Hebrew and Greek lexicon, so you can go to the original word and what that means. And if you're interested, talk to me, because there are several members in our church that do have that and are studying this word of God. The law of beholding and the majority. It is a law of human mind that by beholding we become changed. Man will rise no higher than his conception of truth, purity, and holiness. If the mind is not uplifted by faith to contemplate infinite wisdom and love, the man will be constantly sinking lower and lower. After the fall, men chose to follow their own sinful desire, and as a result, crime and wretchedness rapidly increased. Listen to this now. Neither the marriage relationship nor the rights of property were Respected. That is also going to happen. We are quickly approaching this day. They delighted in destroying the life of animals, and until they came to and until they came to regard human life with astonishing indifference. That's from Patriarchs and Prophets 91. Many at first appeared to receive the warning during the time that elapsed before the coming of the flood. Their faith was tested, and they failed to endure the trial. Overcome by the prevailing unbelief, they finally joined their former associates in rejecting the solemn message. Their minds had become so blinded by rejection, rejection of light that they really believed Noah's message to be a delusion. It was not the multitudes or majority that were on the side of right. I'm going to repeat that again. To me, this paragraph is powerful. It was not the multitudes or majorities that were on the side of right. If you see the majority going one one way, ask yourself, is that of God? The world was arrayed against God's justice and his laws, and Noah was regarded as a fanatic. They asserted that if there were any truth in what Noah had said, the men of renown, the wise, the prudent, the great men, and should I add, the experts, would understand the matter. The world will be rocked to sleep in the cradle of carnal security. The multitudes are striving to forget God, and they eagerly accept fables that they may pursue the path of self-indulgence undisturbed. 
There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12. But Noah stood like a rock amidst the tempest. Surrounded by popular contempt and ridicule, he distinguished himself by his holy integrity and unwavering faithfulness. A power attends his words, for it is the voice of God to the men through his servant. Connection with God made him strong in the strength of infinite power. The sins that call for vengeance upon the antediluvian world exist today. The fear of God is banished. The intense worldliness of that generation in Noah's days is equaled by the generation we are now living. The spirit of anarchy is permeating all nations. This is what we recently witnessed in South Africa and will soon be unfolding in the cities of America. As the time of Christ's second appearing draws near, the Lord sends his servant with a warning to the world to prepare for that great event. Many feel that it requires too great a sacrifice to put away sin. Because their life does not harmonize with the pure principles of God's moral government, they reject his warning and deny the authority of the law. In the storm, it was a trying ordeal, but Noah's faith did not waver, for he had the assurance that the divine hand was upon the helm. God's promise is, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. Psalm 91.14. Those who come out of the world in spirit and in all practice believe his word as a child believes every promise of his parents. Every promise is sure to him that believes. Those who unite with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit show their lives, show by their lives with their divine instrumentalities will receive the wisdom from above, and they will not depend on human wisdom. As members of the royal family, children of the heavenly king, Christians must feel their need of power which comes only from the heavenly agencies. If you go forward toward heaven, the world will rub against you. At every step, you will have to urge your way against Satan and his evil angels. Earthly authorities will interpose. You will meet tribulations, bruising of the spirit, hard speeches, ridicule, persecutions. Men will require your conformity to laws and custom that would render you disloyal to God. Here is where God's people find the cross is the way to life. Wherefore, come out of from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Isn't that beautiful? Second Corinthians six sixteen through 18 Great and radical changes were to be brought in them, for the degrading influences of servitude and long-continued association with idolatry had left their mark upon habits and character. Are we not there? Almost 6,000 years of sin. God was working to lift them to a higher moral level by giving them a knowledge of himself. The obstacle that hinder our progress will never disappear before a halting, doubting spirit. Those who defer obedience till every shadow of uncertainty disappears and there remains no risk of failure or defeat will never obey at all. But faith courageously urges and advance, hoping all things, believing all things. Providence brings to the unbelieving darkness and despair, while to the trusting soul they are full of light and peace. The path where God leads the way may lie through the desert or the sea, but it is a safe path. 
Father God, as we look to the world events to the filter of your word, I just pray that you will surround us with your angels, that you will guard our thoughts and our minds so that the truth will be revealed and that you will be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going into an area called the universal conduct, the universal code of conduct in this war. We need to understand the universal conduct of the war mentioned in Amos 3.7. Surely the Lord will do nothing, but he revealeth his servant secret unto his servants, the prophets. God abides by this code and reveals things through his word and his prophets. Satan also abides by this code to reveal things through his prophets, false prophets. And he primarily uses as his medium Hollywood and the mainstream media. We need to be careful and look at the world events through the filter of the word of God given by his prophets and by the Holy Spirit. Then we will discern both truth and error that is presented by Satan's false prophets. Ebola, 9-11, events of 2015, the legalization of same-sex marriage at the highest court, the visit of Pope Francis on September 26th, the encyclical he wrote, Laudato Si, all that took place in 2015. And now the most recent pandemic appeared to be all foretold. Event 201, who has heard about Event 201? This is from Wikipedia. On October 18, 2019, the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security partnered with the World Economic Forum and the Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to host the tabletop exercise event 201 in New York City. According to the CHS, the exercise illust- quotes, exercise illustrated areas where public-private partnership will be necessary during the response to a severe pandemic in order to diminish the large-scale economic and societal consequences. Event 201 simulated the effects of a fictional coronavirus. Now, this is in October 2019. It is interesting to note that the national state of emergency from the coronavirus outbreak was declared in the United States by President Trump on Friday, March 13, 2021. Significance of that? The same date, exactly seven years to that date, another significant event took place in the world. Pope Francis was elected into the papal office, the first Jesuit pope on March 13, 2020, 2000, excuse me, March 13, 2020, at 2013 Italian time. Coincidence? Perhaps. Two significant prophetic events took place in 2015, as I mentioned. Will there be an, the world impacting events seven years later in 2022? Time will tell. The seven-year cycle is a prophetic timeline presented in the Bible in the story of Joseph and the famine in Egypt and the timeline given in Daniel regarding the Messiah. And there's also the uh, seven-year warning uh, man going up and down the streets of Jerusalem declaring the woes coming down on Jerusalem. That's in uh, Great Controversy, page 30. And his warning cry ceased not until he was slain in the siege that he had foretold. Next slide. This is the January 2019 cover of The Economist magazine. Has anyone seen this? Okay, a few of you have. 
It is interesting to see that the four horsemen, if you can go to the next slide, of Revelation 6 is in reverse order. And if you know anything about the occult world, that's how they do things. And the third one being the Statue of Liberty with a face mask, more specifically, an eye mask over her face, possibly revealing the events of 2020, 2020, standing for clear vision, and what was about to happen to this nation and its liberty. This is in 2019, January edition, how freedom would be restricted and the people would be blinded to the truth. Or perhaps it was pointing to the prophecy of Revelation 3 of the blindness of the Laodicean church. Who have heard of Cyber Polygon? Okay. Just a few weeks ago on July 9, 2020, another simulation, like the event, to, uh, event 201, took place, again sponsored by the World Economic Forum called Cyber Polygon. It was a simulation of a fictional cyber attack with participants from dozens of countries responding to a, quote, a targeted supply chain attack on the corporate ecosystem in real time, end quote. According to the World Economic Forum, COVID-19 was known as an anticipated risk, and so is its digital equivalent. Quoting, a cyber attack with COVID-like characteristics would spread faster and farther than any biological virus. Its reproductive rate would be around 10 times greater than what we've experienced with the coronavirus. And now, also quoting, a single day without the internet would cost our economies more than $50 billion, and that's before considering economic and social damages should these devices be linked to essential services such as transports or healthcare. Now, this is quoting Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack, end quote. Needless to say, a cyber pandemic would wreak havoc on nearly all aspects of society. Now, looking at all this through the Bible, and the end-time prophecy. The Bible clearly forms about the coming calamities, pestilences, and destruction to this world prior to Christ's return in Matthew 24 and 25. For nations shall rise up against nations, and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. For then shall be great tribulations, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days shall be shortened, there shall be no flesh to be saved. But for the elect's sake, whose, those days shall be shortened. Matthew 24. What we saw in 2020 and we are seeing in 2021 is this. From Isaiah 21:12, The morning cometh and also the night. The sun of righteousness is about to shine forth. The morning and the night are both at hand, the opening of endless day to the righteous, but also the settling down of eternal night to the wicked. That's from Great Controversy 632. Prophecies are being fulfilled. I believe the prophecies found in Revelation 3, 6, 13, 17, and 18 are being fulfilled before our very eyes, but we are blind and naked as the Laodicean church mentioned in Revelation 3, reading from Revelation 18. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, 
Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen. And he has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wind of the wrath, for all nations have drunk of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacy. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakes of her sin, and that you receive not of her plagues. And then it continues towards the later part of the chapter. And the light of the candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. Listen to this. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries, which means pharmakia, were all nations deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. As we have been given the health message, the right arm of the gospel, to prepare a people to meet our Savior and Redeemer, Satan will also have a masterfully deceptive, counterfeit health message that will be sold and enforced upon the world to bring healing, but in the end will bring destruction upon humanity. It appears that this prophecy where the merchants, the great men of the earth, are using sorcery, the pharmakia, to deceive all nations and to destroy humanity is happening in the world today. Like Enoch, the physician and healthcare workers and all of us in the health message should be a man who walks with God. This will be to him a safeguard against all the delusive, pernicious sentiments which make so many infidels and skeptics. The truth of God, practiced in the life and constantly guided in all that concerns the interest of others, will barricade the soul will, with heavenly principles. God will not be unmindful of their struggles to maintain the truth. When we place every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God above worldly policy, above all the assertions of erring, failing men, we shall be guided into every good and holy way. It was not the multitudes and majorities that were on the side of right. The world was arrayed against God's just. His warnings of judgment as stated in the three angels' message and his laws, including the laws of health, was regarded, and Noah was regarded as a fanatic. I want to make it clear, though, that vaccine is not the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is Sunday worship, the day that Roman Catholic Church has established as her sign of authority. The Sabbath will be the great test of loyalty. When the final test will be brought to bear upon the men, then the line of distinction will be drawn, while one class, by accepting the sign of submission to the earthly powers, receive the mark of the beast, the others choose the token of allegiance to divine authority, receive the seal of God. Great Controversy 605. We are in a climate crisis. Roman 8 continues to say that the whole creation is also groaning, waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Is our world groaning now? Yes, absolutely. Does it need to be delivered from the bondage of corruption? Yes. The world also sees this growing and the climate crisis calling for a global change. The four horsemen of Revelation 6. The first one's the white horse, red horse, black horse, and pale horse. Revelation 6, 8. And I looked and behold a pale Greek word, chloros, 
horse, and its name that sat on him was death, and hell followed him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. This is from May 25, 2021, this year, from Rome. Pope Francis issued a dire report on the state of the planet Tuesday, insisting the earth is suffering from the worst environmental crisis of its history. It is interesting that the fourth horse, horse, often called the pale horse in English, in the original Greek is actually chloros, which means a green horse. And Pope's message... The recent news report, the earth is suffering from the worst environmental crisis of its history, and the Pope is calling now for a green economics, green education, and green spirituality. Climate Sunday. This is happening September 5, 2020. The world is calling for a National Climate Sunday service on Glasgow on Sunday 5, September uh, 5, 2020, before the beginning of the United Nations Climate Conference called the COP26 to be held in Glasgow on November 1, 2021. The Prince of Darkness will present his temptations to men in a manner to pervert the senses of all who are not shielded by divine power. A Great Controversy 554. We know that this earth is waxing old like a garment. Isaiah 51.8. But the promise of God's word is clear. Romans 8.21.22 says that the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. Who has heard about Hunter versus Department of Health Education? Okay, a few of you. It is a federal class action lawsuit that started, it was uh, in Oregon, but it's a federal class action lawsuit, seeks to strip long-standing religious protection from Title IX by preventing students from utilizing federal financial assistance, the tuition and grants, and student loans at schools that operate according to biblical beliefs on human sexual matters. One of our institutions has been named, as, as well as eight other institutions, evangelical Christian institutions. This is a house of cards. Depending on what happens here, all our Christian church schools will be closed if this case, if they win this case. And to follow that, all our churches will be closed. We will become a home church. And this is happening right before our eyes. Conscience and morality. No man can dictate the conscience or coerce one to act contrary to conscience or define what morality is outside the word of God. But our world is quickly becoming a darker place for conscience Conscientious obedience to the word of God will be treated as rebellion. As the opposition rises to a fiercer heights, the servants of God are again perplexed, for it seems to them that they have brought the crisis. But conscience and the word of God assures them that their course is right, and although the trials continue, they are strengthened to bear them. That's a promise. The nearer we come to the close of Earth's history, the more delusive and ensnaring will be the attacks of the enemy. His attacks will grow fiercer and more frequent. God gives sufficient light and evidence to enable man to distinguish the truth from error, but he does not force man to receive truth. He leaves him free to choose the good 
or to choose evil. If a man resists evidence that is sufficient to guide his judgment in the right direction and chooses evil once, and in this course he will continue until he is confirmed in evil and believe the lie he has cherished as truth. Those who perish will perish because they refuse to be adopted as children of God through Jesus Christ. They refuse the abundant grace provided to become holy in character and without blame before God and to become partakers of divine nature. Ephesians 1. He hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us into the adoption of the children by Jesus Christ himself, accepted in the beloved, in whom we also have obtained an inheritance sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Before the final visitation of God's judgment upon the earth, there will be among God's people of the Lord, such a revival of primitive godliness as has not yet been witnessed since apostolic times. The spirit and power of God will be poured upon his children. That's a beautiful promise. I have two stories to share. I'm going to go beyond 1230. Is that going to be okay? Okay. Two short stories, but powerful stories. The story, Looking for My People. This happened just several weeks ago. God is working in amazing and mysterious ways. As the world is getting darker, God's light is shining even brighter and brighter. A friend of ours shared this moving story with us that happened and just several weeks ago. We had just given our friend the Academy Study Bible that we talked about, perhaps the most powerful study Bible that has all those things, including the Hebrew and Greek original. Unbeknownst to us, our friend attended an outdoor gathering of about 300 people a week later. During the gathering, they realized there were about 20 or so who had not received the vaccine, and the smaller group of people started sharing with each other and discussing the world events. It was there that our friend met individuals from the Mormon church, the Latter-day Saint church, who had not received the vaccine. This Mormon individual shared that their 70-year-old prophet from their church was recommending the vaccine. And as they struggled with this, in good conscience, they could not accept this teaching. They felt convicted that their prophet, this prophet, was not speaking the truth. So they started to distance themselves from their organized church, and now were looking for my people who believed in what they were convicted in their conscience was the truth. It was then that our friend bought brought her new study Bible and shared the passage from Revelation 18, 23. What we just read about the pharmacia being the vaccine. And she read this from the, this Mormon lady, read this from the study Bible and was amazed what it stated. Now she is really realizing there are my people who have a unique health message and she is drawn to the everlasting gospel and even the Sabbath truth. Our friend also shared Revelation 6, 8 and the pale horse uh, in the original Greek, and her eyes were opened to the green movement that is continue, coming like a tidal wave to the world. In fact, her nephew was called to go to England for an emergency meeting that we don't know exactly what it's about, but it was related to this climate crisis. 
It was not only the Mormon people, but also atheists that were there at this particular small group were amazed to read from Scripture the events that were unfolding before our very eyes and were drawn to the truth of God's Word and making sense of the confusion that is in this world. If we have a deep-growing experience in heavenly things, we walk with the Lord as Enoch did. Instead of consenting to the propositions of Satan, there is most earnest prayer for the heavenly anointing that we may distinguish the right the heaven-born, from the common. The furnace, of fire, furnace fires of affliction he permits to be kindled upon them to consume the dross, to refine, to purify, and cleanse from the defilement of sin, of self-love, and to bring them to know God. We are living in perilous days, and we must receive our strength from the same source as did Enoch. We must walk with God. A separation from this world is required of us. This is from Sermon and Talks, Volume 2. We are to examine ourselves daily to see if we are on the path of righteousness. We must strive to overcome, looking unto Jesus, for in every temptation he will be at our side to give us victory. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7 Behold... I will gather them out of all countries. I will bring them again unto the place, and I will cause them to dwell safely, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. True Seventh-day Adventist Christians will understand that the power of divine heritage to live out the true understanding of the, is to live out the true understanding of the Sabbath, the Seventh-day Sabbath. Resting fully in what Christ has done for us on the cross and to let his spirit transform our lives back into his image as he is ministering in the sanctuary to prepare our hearts to meet our holy creator God. Also the word Adventist. True Adventists in every denomination. There's true Adventists in every denomination. We'll be looking for the blessed hope, the Advent, the second coming of Christ as King of Kings on the clouds of glory. This is the promise of divine heritage that all the true children of God are longing for. Through this past storm, God's children in every country, every religion, and every race are beginning to ask questions and are searching for my people who are looking for the truth in God's word. May we be ready to share his everlasting gospel message of love and the true health message to give eternal hope and heavenly peace to this dying world. In closing, I will read from a true story that pulls back the curtains to reveal the real spiritual battle over our souls that is taking place all around us and the victory that can be ours in the name of Jesus. This particular story happened this past Christmas was shared in the AFM magazine on April April 2021. The battle. Our 17-year-old daughter, Hannah, was struggling with what to do for her personal worship. Hannah gave her life to Christ several years ago and is actively involved in ministry, but recently life had become quite busy, and she felt like she was more distant from God than she liked. In fact, earlier that morning, while at staff worship with Jonathan, that's dad, she had confided to Jared, one of the SMs, telling him a bit about her struggle. She felt like she couldn't focus and was frustrated in her attempts for spiritual intimacy. Wondering how to move forward with her worship time, she decided to text Jared and see if he had any suggestions. A few minutes later, he called her. As they talked on the phone, a dark presence appeared in Hannah's room and invited her to change spiritual allegiance. I don't want to change, she stated. Then I will make you, came the reply. Hannah doesn't remember what happened next. 
Immediately, Jared called and told us that something was wrong with Hannah and we needed to hurry home and check on her. Jonathan hopped into the truck and headed home. A few months after he left, I decided to call Jared back and ask exactly what Hannah had said to him. She said never to pray for her again, he informed me. That was not like Hannah. Immediately, I knew that this was a direct spiritual attack. I sped, home, I sped off for home as well. As I drove, my heart cried out to God for help. I thought about all the people here who know the reality of spiritual warfare and live in fear and darkness. Suddenly, I felt angry. How dare Satan attack one of God's children like this? As I continued to pray, claiming God's promises, I felt a deep sense of God's presence, and I knew he was fighting for us. When Jonathan arrived home, he found that Hannah had locked herself into her room. Sensing the seriousness of the situation, he kicked the door open, sending parts of the doorknob skittering across the floor. Hannah was sitting in the middle of the floor. Don't touch me, said a voice unlike hers. Jonathan moved closer, and Hannah scooted away from him and into the corner. As he reached out to her, she threw herself back. Daddy, help me. She cried out. I stepped through the doorway just as she threw her head back against the concrete ledge at the edge of her room. Jonathan pulled her away from the ledge as she convulsed. She reached her hand up to me, then Jonathan and I knelt over and prayed while her body writhed. We rebuked Satan in the name of Jesus. Her body, excuse me, shook one last time and then relaxed. Hannah said she remembered hearing Jonathan and me sing Jesus' name above all names. It was the most beautiful thing she had ever heard. Not because we were great vocalists, but because of the freeing power she had experienced in Jesus' name. Friends, Satan is alive and working overtime. He knows that his time is short, and he is watching for any possible opportunities to hinder God's work and to hurt God's children, but we do not need to fear him. Jesus is ready to fight for us. He has already won the war, and Satan cannot remain in his presence. Abide in him. Claim his promises for protection. Put on his armor. Surround yourselves with friends who love him too. Last slide. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. If God is for us, who can be against us? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We're going to sing Jesus' name above all names.
In the stillness of thy presence, may thy kingdom come into our hearts today, and may the name be written on our foreheads to prepare us for your soon return as our eternal King. For we pray in the powerful and beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.